Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello again, Patriots Nation. We welcome you back to the latest and always greatest edition of Six Rings and Football Things, a podcast presentation of WEEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. As we set sail for a Thursday night Thanksgiving delight against the Vikings, we present you with a full boat here as far as Six Rings goes. You got the leader of the fraud squad here, your old pal, Nick Fitzy Stevens. We got at Jumbo Hart, Andy Hart, and the Troll Patrol. And back after disappearing for a little while, uh, whether it was to Las Vegas or uh, a number of different locations and regions, that's right, the DVOA holes are represented once again by our guy, Primetime, at Shime Time. Chris Shime is back with us. And boys, here we are a couple days removed from a game uh, that was fascinating, infuriating, boring, and enlightening in so many different ways. The Patriots squeaking one out against the Jets 10 to 3. Uh, you know, Andy, we went over it so much on the post game show. Uh, that was potentially a season saving play for Marcus Jones, but we really don't have much time to sort of sit here and pick over that game and try to make more of it than what was because by the time people listen to this, it could be. T minus 24 hours from another huge game, a Thanksgiving night game against the NFC North leading Minnesota Vikings. Shime, I want to throw it to you first because we haven't had a chance to have you on the pod in a couple of weeks. What was your biggest takeaway from the game aside from, hey, uh, listen to Fitzy Hart and Gresh and get the ball in Marcus Jones's hands more often? Uh, my biggest takeaway was, wow, your offense really does stink. Uh, and I, and I, this is not a Mac Jones take. This is a wholesome take. Like so the consistent. whole, I was going to say, life my and, God, and you are more predictable than taxes. Uh, the tag man. The key to comedy <laughs> is repetition, Fitzy. The key to comedy is repetition. I thought, uh, the, I thought it was time, uh, tragedy over time equals comedy or whatever. Mm, I don't think so. I think it's just repetition. That's what well, I was Well, then told. the Patriots often should be hilarious because time and time again, they are tragic it whenever is, they snap the ball. Oh, God. It is disgustingly bad. Like, it isn't. And, and again, like, is this a Mac Jones take? Is he a part of the problem? If you're breaking up a, bl a blame pie, He's got a little slice in there, but it's not okay. – he is not fully responsible for this. This is just a mess, top to bottom, from the play calling, the coaching, the offensive line, the receivers. Uh, it just – it's a whole mishmash of disgusting. And I uh, 
God almighty, that was the most boring Patriots game I have ever watched uh, in my, you know, 25 plus years of watching Patriots games. Except for the final 30 seconds, which was pretty enjoyable. There was, yes, there was a 20 second span of Marcus Jones returning one to the house that was extremely fun. Uh, everybody keeps asking me, why are you guys still talking about a football game? It was like one play that you need to talk about. Yeah, and- but, there, but isn't, there some, <laughs> isn't there some sort of, yeah, of course, it was really just boiled down to one play. It, it, it was mattered a, a whole play. hell of a lot. It was, it, a was big an, play. it was an insanely great play. I think it's one of the most important plays this century in terms of regular season Patriots games because you could have lost your foothold on a wild card spot or fallen further down in the AFC East. The Jets finally would have broken the streak and not let it run to 14 bolstered confidence when their offense was, and this is unbelievable or almost impossible to do five times more inept than the Patriots offense on Sunday, averaging 2.88 inches per play in the second half. I mean, Andy and I went over all the stats that were just jaw dropping and mind numbingly inept uh, on the post game show on Sunday. But there is that element now to me that sort of says like, maybe that was like an interesting title fight in a lot of ways. Just a lot of feeling out, a lot of hugging in the corner, a lot of missed jabs and opportunities that led to one knockout punch. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Patriots are not going to be able to win many more, if if not any games the rest of the way in that capacity, because they're now about to start teeing off against a lot of significant offenses. So, uh, Andy, I'll throw it to you mm-hmm. next. Mm-hmm. What are what are we going to focus on improving as quickly as possible? heading into games now where you face NFC North leaders like the Vikings having to go against the bills, the unpredictable offense of the Cardinals. And then of course the Raiders and the Bengals and, and on and on and on. First of all, technically you could beat the Vikings the same way you beat the jets. Cause the Vikings didn't score any points last week either, but that's a different topic for a different segment. The well, offense- we'll find out about that one. When we talk to Phil Mackey in a bit. The offensive line is the key to the effing season because I Mac Jones never has a chance to do his job, and it took such a bad step backwards this week that Ramondre Stevenson looked crappy, and we all love him. We all think he's a budding star. He ran the ball 15 times for 26 yards, so now you're costing Horrible. one of your weapons his ability to get some traction and make some positive gains. Now, it's great that David Andrews is on the practice field this week and apparently avoided a season-ending injury, which – it seemed post game that's where it was trending that it was mm-hmm. a, a thigh tendon and that he was probably toast that he's out there that's great my guess is he doesn't play thursday night but he needs to be in the mix but mm-hmm. even with him in the mix that doesn't solve your problems net well i guess it helps with cole strange cuz strange is a little bit better when he's out there but doesn't help your uh, he's lo- he's lost i he's i'm not. i i got to walk that one i don't think he's going to suck long term i think i didn't somebody- say he's going to suck i said he sucks now present tense he stinks right now. You know, there's no denying. I've had to walk that one back. Glad uh, we drafted a guard in the first round. Yeah, right. I know. I, the, all of us, everyone that was on the air that night, everyone who had to talk about it later, and those of us who praised him and said, hey, it looks like that that pick's working out and this kid can play. Yeah, your He's hit his rookie wall. Sure, like most of your life. Excessively. I was, I was flagged for premature celebration. I understand it happens to a lot of us, Andy. It does. I, I, I get it. But David Andrews, right. and I was glad to hear that the MRI was negative and that, you know, that he's going to avoid long-term damage and may be able to play. I wouldn't bank that he plays Thursday night, no. but this offensive line is like... me if he plays Thursday night. But forget even David Andrews. Like, the pressure isn't always coming matter. up the gut. The tackle situation the tackles are is a tire fire right now. 
see, that's where I don't think it's it's fixable. Like I, I just yeah. I, I don't see a reason to say this what's gonna make it better? Do they have this crazy talent on the bench? Nope. Practice squad, nope. Oh, wait, they probably have a great coach. Oh no, they have they have Matt Patricia, who's also their play call. Play like caller. there's no reason to believe that the offensive line is gonna get better. The joke I made to Fitzy Shime was in uh, in Elf when they bring in the little guy to yeah. uh, write the 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 children's book for him. Yep. he's got like yep. all the tricks the and everything the, the legend of dante skarnecki is the little guy you got to bring him in whatever the cost get a limo drive him over if he only gives you an hour take the damn hour because otherwise i know i am um not always the most hopeful person but i don't you see don't reason say for no i don't see reason for hope on the offensive line i actually there's, think there's more reason for hope for the big picture team well than and the worst the part too line. is now okay, all that all right. money and draft capital that we were excited about to help build this team forward you are now going to have to use a lot of that just throwing it at offensive linemen to find some guys that'll stick because right now i'm you fine have, with that though but 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 then you're when but you now, get the receivers and the playmakers yeah, now now there's goes, no good there ones all that money next year there's it, like the all, like the free agents is all all the good forget, free agents are on the line forget free agents too now that you your draft picks like you're gonna need to throw draft picks at offensive linemen on top of signing guys like great you bring in an older offensive lineman well how long does that last and how how fast will he acclimate to a new line and then on top of that you have to go draft young lineman so that your pipeline doesn't disappear like it did now by trading Shaq Mason. Like if you had kept Shaq Mason and then drafted a couple guys this year, instead of taking more effing running backs. Oh, you might actually have like, it may not look good right now, but next year might at least appear to be better. And you still have all the draft picks you have for next year and money to go spend on weapons and more, more players that will help you get better. Now, instead this off season, the only focal point you can have is the offensive line because without it, your team is going to suck no matter who you have. I would also uh, say the coaching staff will be a focal point. Yeah, well, coaching yeah, staff, I mean, you I can't mean draft coaches, though. There's no coach True. draft. Like, you can't, you sort of can trade for a coach, although I don't think they're going to be trading for a coach or a coordinator anytime no. soon. No. Uh, as they like to say, Shime, lots to unpack there. Oh, yeah. Uh, we appreciate it. I forgot about how much, how much, how many meaty takes that you get uh, that we can all cut up and share and cook and prepare like a million a different ways. Thanksgiving Day Turkey, baby, you just you really keep cutting into me. You, I was gonna say you, you're like the full Thanksgiving meal in a box. Big like I'm, I'm, I'm reaching in and I'm finding like takeout containers, canisters, and ramekins of different sides and sauces and dishes. I wasn't even expecting a cranberry um, sauce out of nowhere. Like uh, it's great. It's great. No idea. Wow. My, what is it? Is this a chutney? Wow, Shime, amazing. Um, so one about the offensive line, like pre it, it is possible the Patriots might have played the best defensive line that they'll face the rest of the season. Now the bills obviously will present a hell of a problem for them, but you can't say, and they have to deal with them twice, but you can't say Miami or the Cardinals uh, or the Bengals or any of the rest of the teams they play have the same sort of ferocious defensive line. There may be nobody as good as Quinn and Williams who just ate up everybody he faced. Quinn it didn't Williams matter where awesome. he lined up. That guy, unbelievable that the man who blessed himself on national TV before the NFL draft has turned into one of the Adorable. most, most badass monsters on the line that we've seen any other time. And yeah, the, the problem is the Patriots not only created the need for a guard last year when they got rid of Shaq Mason, like, yeah, now like you're going to have to spend a significant portion of time rebuilding the line in the offseason because the tackles are bad. Guard situation seems okay. Dave, poor David Andrews has been super banged up this year as well. 
That's a that's a major league problem for this team right now. I don't know how you fix it in season. I think all of us would love to try to figure out a way. The offseason is a different topic. Slap a little flex seal on the offensive yeah, line can. and say, like, boom, it's good. Like You're going to have to fix it the old-fashioned way or the modern way, which is it's going to take adjustments from everybody around it. It's going to be, and I don't have any faith in this either, but the old, you know, 1.8 second Brady passing game. We just know we're not going to get protection. So look at it differently right. and get rid of the damn ball kind of thing. And well, so it's one of the things they were actually yeah. highlighting uh, on Monday Night Football too about the 49ers with Jimmy G, right? It's like they were showing the 1.98 pass release. It's just the issue is, again, that will boil down to play calling. So what you need to do this offseason is you need to oust your play caller, either send them upstairs okay. and yeah, we're not in the offseason. We gotta get no, we gotta I, figure out the next seven weeks first. Yeah, and we then, gotta beat the do Vikings, it now. guys. I, trust me, I want you to do They're it. They're not now, getting rid of Matt Patricia. So any plan that starts with getting Matt Patricia right now is not gonna happen. But then the, then there's no fix right now. So that's what I'm saying. Is there is like, like there you can't just give up. That's where you have I'm to not, now. No, I'm not giving up, but uh, at the same time, it's going to be it's going to become insanity. You're going insanity is repeating, doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And that's what you went into a bye week and came out and didn't change anything. And, well, you and, changed some things. You know, they got creative with their inverse bone and their uh, split backs and different. Wow, things that like did that. a that did a lot for your offense. They got a little bit. Did, also, Damian Harris got some carries. And by the way, back to your point, I did want to say, Shime. Uh, when you were complaining about drafting all the running backs when they should have drafted more tackles or maybe wide receivers or both so you could develop two positions of need on the team, uh, positional groupings that will likely look vastly different next year. Does Damian Harris look like somebody you just want to part ways with now over a 3 or $4 million salary next year? Because I know he gets dinged up every year, but he ran hard and fat. Like He was arguably the most dynamic player on offense for the Patriots last Sunday. Like he looked terrific. Yeah. I mean, I would, I, at the right price, I would keep him. I like Damian Harris. Same. I think he's a good solid runner. I think he's a good tandem back or committee back. Um, I don't know what the market would bear for him. I do know he seems to be one of those loyal guys that, you know, feels like they gave him his chance. And maybe if the right contract were available, he would give them the hometown discount, as we say on sports talk radio. Um, but the reality is like you bring up the 49ers shine, you know, it's a lot easier to get rid of the ball in 1.9 seconds when you're throwing to Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, uh, George Kittle, like, like guys also... you trust. And I'm not just saying that and they're Trent good. Williams is blocking like, for you. Like, you know, those guys more often than not, at least give you a 50, 50 chance to beat the guy covering them. I, I totally agree. But at the same time. Teams have shown that they can do that with lesser talent too, right? Like you can scheme guys in situations where they're going to get the uh, like the ball in, yes, short yardage area, but these receivers have at least shown, if not through the Jets game, that they can get some yards after the catch. Is it going to be electric? Is it Tyreek Hill? No, but they know they can run with the football. And, and so the idea is, is that you need to start scheming ways up to get the just the ball out of Mac Jones's hands and into the hands of these playmakers in a way that's going to allow them to work downfield. And right now, there is no semblance of anyone even trying to do that. And that's like that to me is the easiest way to get some improvement to this offense is to start scheming it up. So those like quick looking pick routes with receivers coming underneath that are almost kind of like screens, but then you're tracking mm -hmm. into the middle of the field and mm -hmm. a lot more motion and things of that nature instead of trying to play big like they have been because they just don't have the personnel to do it.
Well, teams are obviously going to key on Ramondre Stevenson because we've all opined and begged for them to run the offense through him. And now defenses are going to be like, oh, so that's the only real dynamite guy you got on there. So we're just going to make sure we have at least, uh, if not several bodies after him. And the play calling also for him did no justice last Sunday because fourth and three from the 35 last Sunday to him, that wide stretch run left might be the single worst play call I've seen in a long, long time. And these eyes have seen a lot of football. But who are you going to get it to? Jacoby Myers is an excellent possession receiver, but he's not going to like tilt the field in your favor or like rattle another defense's cage. And then somebody who does have athletic ability, but obviously doesn't seem to have the head or the instincts for it. Like John o. Smith freaking fumbles the ball on his own just because like he literally that lost was, control. That was objectively hilarious. Oh, I, I laughed. Thank God I couldn't reach for my phone. Cause I think I would have probably hucked it at a screen. Like Nicole Hardman did watching the chiefs game Sunday night. Like, Hell no, man. Like it's so, so that's the whole thing. It's like, who are you going to get? Oh, you want th things to run differently? Great. Who should we run it to? Who should we but, get the balls? But you have these guys, right? So you, you might as well try. Like, I, like I, I, like I said, like in that Jets game, a lot of what the, the receivers and even Ramondre did coming out of the backfield when he caught the ball, they got some yards after the catch. Was it a lot? Are they going to take it to the house? No, but it's a way that you are able to chip yourself down the field to at least give yourself an opportunity. Like get yourself consistently into the red zone, not be taking a bunch of sacks that, that just hurt you left and right. And I think that's the initial fix, right? Is to start, okay, we need to stop taking sacks that are making it more difficult for us uh, on our drives and taking us out of field goal range and things like that. And we need to start getting the ball out quickly and spreading it out a little bit. And you need to, like Andy said, they, they modified the, the bone or the wishbone or whatever the hell you want to call it. Screw that. Get these fat guys off the field. I want five offensive linemen. And then every other player should be the skill players in the quarterback. That's it. Enough with the tight ends enough with this. Like if you want to run, if you want to run, tight end plays spread them out and play them like receivers don't like bring back little jordan humphrey for all i care and sit john who's ass on the bench at this point because huh. you need to find a way to spread it out and just chip your way down the field john o smith caught all four four passes thrown his way for 40 and yards then he the fumbled the ball when no one was around him oh, oh, that was God. on a handoff that was not one of the four <laughs> catches sorry <laughs> you're right my bad yeah, it's no, Hunter I, Henry's ass on the bench. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be an easy fix. And since I know you love statisticals, some stats with ball shine, uh, I bring you this: Mac Jones, uh, out of thirty-five quarterbacks, has been pressured. I think uh, it's like nine point nine percent of the time. So basically, like he's no, excuse me, he's getting sacked like one in every ten dropbacks, which is not historically bad, but pretty bad. And he's pressured. Uh, the pressure rate this season has him in the bottom two or three in the NFL as well. Like he has less than three seconds. I think it's 2.97 seconds until like the pocket is collapsing on him. Like, so this points to Andy needing to get the ball out quicker. Shime's got a good point. Like we got to do two seconds or less. It's got to be Brady ball. You got to do it. You got to go Garoppolo because if you only have up to three seconds to make a play, then on the first play of the game, it may not be that smart to be in the shotgun and then still take a five to seven step drop back and wait for a long, deep play to develop. Like it's, it's just not there. And if it's not there, stop trying to look for it. Yeah. I, I don't have the answers because I, you know, Shime's idea of sort of spreading them out, getting the, the, the skill players quote unquote on the field. I would ask who are they? 
Look, I, I'm not saying they're good, but does Tyquan Thornton? You talk about Cole Strange regressing. Tyquan Thornton has regressed. Everybody was like, "Oh, he's becoming a weapon," but like he stinks. He looks for the defense. He can't take a hit. He drops the ball. Like, yeah, but it's so I, I understand that. Oh. Don't get me wrong. I don't think the mm. the skill players are like elite or mm-hmm. even really good or even barely good. Like they're fine. But the issue is, is that the plays you're running right now are long, drawn out play action, five-step drop, seven-step drop. And on top of that, your receivers are all in the same effing area. So it's yeah. like like the route trees are just gross. The design. It's, it's weird. It's almost like they bad. have a defensive coach running the offense and a bunch of players that aren't that good. Almost like we talked about for, I don't know, six months leading up to the season. Damnedest it's, thing. It's shocking. It and then I love shocking. when people say, why are they bad in the red zone? Oh, you mean the place where it's hardest to run an offense and when you lean on coaching and elite playmakers more than anywhere else on the field, they're struggling there? Why could – oh, because they have bad coaching and bad playmakers. Like, it, it's all so obvious, and we saw it coming, and it's slapping us in the face, and some people still don't want to realize what it is. It's a dead Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's like the Orlovsky – like, it just goes back to – I'm sure, like, you watched the Dan Orlovsky breakdowns last week, Shime, like they were the Zapruder film. Like, I knew it. See, there was someone else. Like, just keeps going over and over again. Look, we we can we can anal- analyze, dissect, go over, frustrate six ourselves. Six and four, and they're the sixth seed, and they're going to upset the Titans if they play them. I wanted to get back to some positivity. See, in there we go. They're going to beat the Titans. All right, we'll get to the how they're going to do they this be. week. I do enough from the because I think they'll Behave run Derrick Henry all day, keep the score down. They'll have a puncher's chance, and with mm-hmm. a puncher's chance, they might do it. This is what happens when we all get Fuck the your band boy, back Hill in the postseason. It's a pick party, and we're all invited. See, look, this is what happens. This Thanksgiving dinner table is already talking politics, and we haven't even passed the potatoes, let alone broken bread or said cheers. So thank you guys for tuning back into our merry band of misfits and dysfunctional DVOA people. Give us a follow all the time, and when you can, at Six Rings Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And, of course, the boys. Follow the boys at Jumbo Heart, at Shime Time, and at Fitzy GFY. All right, we've got more to offer in terms of the Patriots as well as a game to preview ourselves. But first, just moments ago, Andy and I had a chance to have a great chat with someone who knows his Vikings inside and out. We take you now to an interview we did going behind enemy lines, previewing Patriots at Vikings with Phil Mackey, the director of Score North and the host of Purple Daily. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Pats Nation, it's time to go behind enemy lines and get ready for this Thanksgiving night delight with Skull out at U.S. Bank Stadium, a place most Patriots fans... Oh, is that... That's right. That I bring you? I bring my own damn sound effects to the nice. podcast. That's right. I can't even introduce our guest for our Minnesota Vikings preview without him you actually. Like that. You like that. Oh, this is amazing. Nice. He's got his own soundboard. He's got his own sound effects. I was like, wait a sec. We had technical difficulties before this got going, and this guy's sound. That's right. We, that's right. We, we've hacked into your Patriots podcast with skull chanting. That's what's oh. going to happen here. Yes. <laughs> I love it, ladies and gentlemen. It is an honor and a pleasure to record. The Behind Enemy Lines Vikings preview portion of today's podcast, which we record on the 10th anniversary of the last time the Patriots played on Thanksgiving night. That's right. We're recording on the day of the butt fumble anniversary. With us today, the director of Score North, the podcast host from Purple Daily, one of the top 15 podcasts talking football in America right now. And of course, the unofficial CEO of Vikings Twitter, the one, the only Phil Mackey joins six rings in football things. Phil, I'd ask how you're doing, but uh, it sounds like you're doing pretty well, all things considered. Uh, all the, the 40 to three ass kicking. Uh, I think I feel like the reason why Purple Daily is in the top 15 is just trolling Cowboys fans wanting to listen to. They just want to hear Vikings fans cry from, you know, 48 hours ago and just laugh and cackle. Listen, Phil, honestly, like Andy and I are both native New Englanders. We're mass holes, right? And, you know, part of the whole entire thing about, you know, why do we have such hard hearts and why are we such difficult people is because, like, secretly, like, spite and schadenfreude are two of, like, the main components to our soul and what keeps us <laughs> like it's not about joy it's not about making sure that we us and ours are fulfilled and happy it's more about so long as they're miserable or at least as miserable as us then <laughs> then things are good like i sneakily will tune into sports radio of whoever the patriots may beat like the day after as well because Let's be honest. There's a little something satisfying about that. So for you, it's like, because I'm an a-hole and I'm not going to, what am I going to start apologizing for it now? So for you, it's like if, uh, if, if the, if the Red Sox win great, if the Patriots win great, but if a Yankees fan gets hit by a bus, then okay. Now you're, now your day, not, not dead, but like, you know, just, uh, you know, 24 hours in the hospital or something that your day has been made. (laughs) I'm sure you grew up as a diehard Vikings fan with a similar adage, like in new England, it was always. You know, I got two favorite teams, the Red Sox and whoever's playing the Yankees. And I'm sure for you as a Vikings fan, you got two favorite teams, the Vikings and whoever is hopefully beating Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think well, one of our favorite segments every week, you I, well, every week this season, usually it's only three times. It's a Packer vent line where we just pull crying Packer fans from postgame shows around Wisconsin. <laughs> and it's been a fruitful business this year because I think they've lost more times this year than the last two years combined. And so... Uh, so, yes, it's been a combination of celebrating eight Vikings wins, however they've gotten them, we don't know, uh, and seven sad Packer fan Sundays. Yeah. All right. So, so let's, let's just start get with that. Are yeah. they as good as their record? Are the Vikings as good as their eight wins? You sound like you're a little dubious. Um, I would have said before the Cowboys game that so, and I am as, 
I'm I'm an analytics guy through and through. I am as nerdy when you want to dive into the numbers as anyone. And so I was I was trying to find ways when they were eight and one to sort of justify, well, their point differential's not that great, but they've been great in the high leverage situations late in the fourth. They're like I think they're the highest scoring team up until the last couple weeks, uh, inside four minutes of each half, for instance. So they they turn it on when they need it. And Kirk Cousins has become Kirk Cousins actually has more fourth quarter comebacks since the beginning of last year than any quarterback in the league. We used to mockingly refer to him as Mr. Game Winning Drive when you would get the one per year, you know, between 2018 and 20. And he's actually been really good in those situations. But uh to answer your question, they are not as good as their eight and two record. They are the only eight and two team in the history of the NFL to have a minus point differential. So um, that's insane. Like that is so difficult. If you say you're like a stats and analytics guy, I I can guarantee you that nothing that Nate Silver or any of the other like Elon Musk's of football social media could put together that would find a way to have an eight and two record, six games above 500 and have a negative point differential. Yeah. I feel bad for Tony Romo and Jim Nance, too. They sent the CBS A-team all the way up to Minneapolis. Here we go. Vikings, Cowboys, five minutes into the third quarter. Not the fourth quarter. Five minutes into the third quarter. And James Brown comes on from the studio and says, basically, we're so sorry for what's happening. (laughs) We are so sorry. Uh, We're just going to kind of awkwardly slide you into Steelers-Bengals now. And you have Tony Romo and Jim Nance doing a regional broadcast for like an hour and a half. It's ridiculous. Uh, so, so what uh, you mentioned it, you mentioned it earlier and Andy and I were doing the post game show covering that crazy Patriots win at the last second with the Marcus Jones punt return. And we have on TVs in the studio and both of us were sort of side eyeing that game and just constantly updating the audience. Like, Oh boy. Um, the team we're playing Thursday might be really angry. It's 34 to three and it's not that close. Everybody like yeah. it was, wow. What the hell happened? What happened Sunday? Everything. Uh, it was, it was, you know, so the Vikings, the, the other loss that they had this season was to the Eagles in week two, Monday Night Football, if I'm recalling correctly, um, 24-7. The, on, on paper, it looked like a blowout, but you could kind of sit there after the game and pick through, okay, well, yeah, it looks bad, but the tight end Irv Smith dropped a wide open 60-yard touchdown pass, so that would have been seven. And then, okay, the Vikings got into the red zone and Jefferson ran the wrong route and Cousins, it, it, it would have been a touchdown pass, but it turned out to be an interception in the red zone. So, so then it's, that's 14. You could kind of play that game. You can't really play that game against Dallas. They just got completely obliterated in the trenches. Uh, the other problem, too, with Cousins, and, and I'm, not, I'm not blaming Cousins for this loss because I think he faced a 60% pressure rate which remember Patrick Mahomes running for his life in the Super Bowl three years ago? Yep. That was like a 35 or 40% pressure rate. And we were all like, oh, what's the guy, like, what's he supposed to do? He's running for his life. Imagine that, but worse for Kirk Cousins, who's less mobile. So I'm not blaming him. But once things start to go poorly, okay, there's a strip sack 30 seconds in the game. Dallas is getting pressure. He's not going to be the guy that just puts the team on his shoulders. And so... Um, there's a very specific game flow the Vikings need, and maybe the Patriots can provide it, which is Vikings jump out to a lead. They can kind of lean, you know, they can pass rush against a young quarterback. Um, when they fall behind, generally, I know they have a bunch of fourth quarter comebacks, but it's it's going to be really hard for them to just like 
be down 17 points and come back and win. The Patriots might not be able to score 17 points, so that's good news for the Vikings on Thursday, I guess. So I was reading the uh, Justin Jefferson postgame comments criticizing or seemingly criticizing Kevin O'Connell for not adjusting the passing game. You talked about the pressure. I think Cousins was sacked seven times. And Jefferson said, you know, where was the short passing game? Let's get rid of it quickly. We didn't adjust. Is this the first maybe uh, adversity that the young uh, whippersnapper coach is facing in his first season here? Yeah, it, it probably is. And I, and I saw those comments, too. We played that clip from the quotes look way worse than the clip. Oh, okay. He's not really calling. I saw the quote first, and I was like, "Whoa, that's interesting." Yeah. Um, but the, especially compared to Mike Zimmer, who is just kind of cantankerous and lost the locker room the last couple of years, Kevin O'Connell owns this locker room in a in a good way. Uh, it, 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 some of the post game, like he gives out game balls, like any coach does after games, and it's like he's a player giving out game balls to fellow players because he's only thirty seven years old. So he's he's a his personality and demeanor is such that I think even with adversity, I don't think he's losing the locker room. I don't really read anything into the Justin Jefferson quotes, but you know, one of the big storylines for me this week is it's already a short week. You're coming off getting your ass handed to you by the Cowboys, and you're facing the greatest, smartest coach in NFL history. Now, you guys might pick nits. I don't know where you stand on Belichick the last couple of years, but you got a rookie head coach who's 37 on a short week against a guy that knows what he's doing on a short week. So... Um, it's not the greatest, it's not the hand selected opponent that I would choose to bounce back four days after getting beat 40 to three at home. But at the same time, and this is what provides for a fascinating wrinkle in a, in a series of wrinkles that should make this one hell of a, th- a Thanksgiving night game. Uh, if is the idea that Kevin O'Connell, I'm not going to say he knows where the bodies are buried and doesn't still have like a company pass card, but he was drafted by Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick the season after the imperfect season in New England was with them for a little while. And obviously Belichick understands him. At least he did as a quarterback. Now how his offensive mind works may not be the same Phil because, you know, he adopted more of the Sean McVay system as he spent time with him, obviously out there and won a Super Bowl last year, but there seems to be a lot of mutual respect between the two. Belichick's not surprised by the success O'Connell's having O'Connell obviously said he owes a lot to Belichick. So all that being said, what is Minnesota saying about, or what do you think Vikings fans are saying and feeling about the team on the field? Because even Mac Jones said to our radio station the other day, like that matters more. It's, you know, it's not the coaches battling as much. It's not, it's not, you know, Mac versus Zach it's Mac versus the defense. So what do you guys, what do you guys think about the Patriots offense and their struggles recently? Yeah, I'll come back to that in a second. I do. I, I was reading some quotes from Bill Belichick at some point. I think it was like someone dug up quotes from when Kevin O'Connell was released back in, was it before 2009 season? I think they released him. Yeah, um, I think it was Brian a short Hoyer, one year in. It was one year in. And Brian Hoyer wound up being on the roster instead. Yep. And I'm pretty sure I saw, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have these in front of me, but Bill Belichick praised Kevin O'Connell and said something like, you know, he's going to make a career out of this, if not as a player, as a coach. And imagine being like one year into your NFL career as a third, not even like a seventh round draft pick. Wasn't he a third round draft third pick? Round pick? Yeah. yeah. And you're, you're one year into your career and you're being booted from the team. And he's saying like, you're definitely going to make a living, not as a player. <laughs> <laughs> and he nails it. And like he a does. decade and a half later, he freaking nails it. He did. And I think, I think it's, I think it's going to wind up being a great hire for the Vikings, but, um, on the Patriots side, the thing that the Vikings should be the most worried about is 
you're they're going through a stretch right now of of like facing four of the five best defensive pressure defenses in the league. So the Commanders get pressure. They beat the Commanders, you know, down by double digits in the second half. The Bills, and then obviously the Cowboys, the Patriots are on that list. They get the Jets then. And, you know, people can sit here and make fun of, oh, the Patriots and the Jets can't score points. Yeah, but you just put up three points against a great pressure defense. So they might not have to score many points. Ten points, 13 points, if you can't score a touchdown against a pressure defense. So, you know, offensively, you can sit here again and say, well, Mac Jones, you know, the off the Patriots offense isn't really moving the ball. So, but the Vikings defense is 30th in the league in yards per play allowed. They get gashed even by backup quarterbacks. So um, I'm not, if, if I'm the Vikings and, and fans here, I'm not going to get too haughty looking at this game as the antidote to what happened against Dallas. I actually think it's it's more of the same formula with the defense that you're facing. So it's going to, it's going to be a problem. So, I think Patriots fans, on one hand, look at the roster for for the Vikings and say, wow, there's a lot of talent, offensive talent on that roster. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, you know, it kind of has all the pieces. It's sort of like when people watch the 49ers, you're like, wait a minute, you have a wide receiver, a running back, a tight end. And then they get to the quarterback, a lot like the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, who we know and some people love around here, isn't the most respected quarterback who's gone to a Super Bowl in the NFL Kirk Cousins, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, at least we get to play Kirk Cousins in prime time. So where is Kirk Cousins right now? Because I look at his numbers, they're not great. And even the offense as a whole is probably not as good as the talent might suggest. So is this going to be Kirk Cousins' prime time layup for the Patriots' defense? It's such a weird dynamic because he's putting up, like you said, the worst numbers of his career even though he's got probably the best coach in terms of just like an offensive-minded collaborator. Mike Zimmer didn't start meeting with Kirk Cousins on a weekly basis until their fourth year together. And it was Cousins' idea. He had to drag Zimmer every Thursday into a 45-minute meeting. I'm sure Zimmer was just like checking his watch after every five minutes. Okay, can I go back to my defensive meeting? So he's got all this infrastructure. He's got a head coach that collaborates with him. Mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson's, I think, the best wide receiver, or at least one of the two or three in the league. T.J. Hawkinson is the best pass-catching tight end they've had in a while. The offensive line was atrocious against Dallas, but it's the best the offensive line has been in a number of years. And yet, he's putting up these ridiculously terrible numbers. Mm. Um, He's making up for it, like I said earlier, in these high-leverage spots. He's just sort of coming alive when they need him. And and some of that is just his willingness to throw 50-50 balls and being aggressive down the field to Jefferson. I, I it, we broke down the all, one of the uh, shows we do on Purple Daily. It's a weekly uh, it's a weekly show with Alex Boone, who's a ten year NFL veteran, he started a Super Bowl with the Forty ers played for the Vikings, and uh, and we did a breakdown with the All Twenty Two film of the one handed Jefferson catch, one of the greatest catches we've ever seen. Right, a- ever he outdid Steph Diggs, who had a one handed catch right. for the ages just two quarters prior. Yep, and uh, and so if you look at that from a zoomed out perspective. TJ, it's a fourth and eight team. TJ Hawkinson is the underneath route, and he's being ignored, rightfully so, because he's like five yards off the line of scrimmage. But we both said at the same time, wow, for the first six years of his career, at least the first four years with the Vikings, he throws the underneath route to Hawkinson because he's open and just crosses his fingers and prays that Hawkinson can yak his way to the 18 yards you need for a, for a first down. And if not, you know, Hey, my fault. I completed a pass. Uh, you know, whatever. My completion percentage looks good. 
Right. But because but he threw it into quadruple coverage to Jefferson, which was likely to be intercepted. But that's the right throw. So he's doing more of that stuff that I think is making his numbers worse temporarily, but it's giving them a better chance in some of these big, you know, third down, late in the game, whatever. So that's the best way I can sum him up is him being better in those situations is better for the team than him being great on the scripted drive and him being great, you know, in garbage time, um, but melting when it matters most. It's better for the team this way. It's very interesting, Andy, because I feel like in a lot of ways that reflects how Mac Jones could or should be playing. I'm sure you, yeah, I'm sure we're hive mind on this because, you know, that's the thing is like, we you can't know the fig- differences, though? Mac has been told to throw the 50-50 ball. The problem is the guy on the other end is not Justin Jefferson. That's no. the problem, yeah. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, <laughs> Devontae Parker, Jacoby <laughs> Myers, nope. Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, not, nece- not quite even in the same league or ballpark as Justin Jefferson, who, Phil, is easily wide receiver one in the NFL this year, and it's not even close. I don't even want to know what he's going to get paid when his payday comes like they're going to have to invent a new rare stone for him to put on his grill because diamonds won't be expensive enough. That kid is going to bank it so hard and he should. And he's like one of the guys like I love to watch as my kids are getting more into football. Wouldn't surprise me one day if like, you know, my kid, my oldest boy asked for a Justin Jefferson Jersey and I would get it for him. First, I would scold him for not wanting a Patriots. shirt. <laughs> What's wrong? Yeah. You don't want a Jonah Smith Jersey. <laughs> don't, okay. don't, you, don't your kids want Kirk Cousins chains? Is, isn't I feel Dude. like that's the, Dude, I, I listen this to me. Like, I know this is a thing everyone loves to mock, but for some reason I can't get enough of it. Why does Kirk Cousins as the dad who accidentally stumbled into the stash of Molly doing the shirtless dance on the airplane, like the greatest vibe ever. Just <laughs> dupe to do. And then he shut it down. He shut it down before the Bills game. He said, hey, we can't have that stuff going out on Instagram anymore. I think I'm going to retire Kirko Chains. It's like, dude, you just lost 40 to three. Clark Kent needs to go back to the phone booth back. for this game against the. Yeah. I want to see. I want to see after a Vikings victory, Kirko chains, 50-yard line shirtless, and two giant turkey legs in each hand after right, they beat the Patriots. Doing a new dance with each of them right there, just like taking them down. Yeah, That's what you have. Like, that's the thing. I want people. We, Andy and I, I think a lot of Patriots fans get tired of just like, we call it Bella speak, you know, just everyone like, well, we got to be better. We got to do our job. Uh, yeah. you know, we gotta, uh, and then the players reflect it. If Bill, sometimes you just want to hear people say like, yeah, this shit isn't good enough. Or just like, we weren't good enough for F this, or just like, yeah, you know what? Kirko chains really wants to bust out a Turkey leg after this game. And we're going to have to beat the best coach in football history to do it. And I, and I, it's nice to hear that the fans respond well to it. Um, but before we go, uh, I always like to get a feel for, you know, like there's the guys and obviously that's Justin Jefferson and Dalvin cook. Um, then there are sometimes the other guys, and maybe that's Hawkinson. Obviously, we're familiar with him. And Madison looks like Cook whenever he goes in there. If they didn't wear different jerseys, you'd say it's the same guy. Who's one guy on each side of the ball that are like the guys we don't know about who may pop or do something special Thursday night? Well, I'll give you one that that actually won't pop on Thursday night, and it's a it's going to be a huge factor in this game. Uh, the Vikings have one of the three best left tackles in the NFL, Christian Derisaw. He's a second-year player. He's a first-round pick in the 2021 draft. He didn't start until, like, week eight or something in 2021. And whether you go off, like, PFF grades or just or you just watch games and he never shows up with a penalty or anything, uh, he gave up his first two sacks of the season in that Dallas game. He He was knocked out of the previous game with a concussion, went through protocol, came back, and then – 
got knocked out again with a concussion in this game. He's out on Thursday night. So the Vikings are – if he was in, I would tell you, that's one of the best left tackles in the league. Some interesting matchups off the edge there. Uh, I don't know what the hell the Vikings are going to do. Blake Brandle is like a seventh-round pick that he gave up five pressures in a you know a blowout half uh, taking over for Derrissaw. So uh, that's one of them on the offensive side to watch out for. On the defensive side, um, I, I would say on the interior – um, Harrison Phillips came over from Buffalo. Buffalo was kind of his revenge game. The, the the Bills sent him off into free agency, and he has been one of the more anonymous, underrated players, interior defensive linemen in the league so far this year. But I don't know that he has been enough. I, I think they just they, they lack a lot of depth on the interior, and Dalvin Tomlinson is the other starting interior defensive lineman, and he's been out for a few weeks with an injury. He may or may not play on Thursday. Um, so I think, like, there's just some key guys that may not play that are going to make a huge impact for the Patriots' potential success. So who do you have? What's the uh, what's the prediction? Man. Um, we haven't done our official, so I haven't put a ton of thought into this specifically yet. But so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wing it off the top of my head yeah, here and that's, say that's what we do all the time anyway. It's fine. I'm gonna say uh take the under on 42 and a half, I feel like. Wow. I'm trying to do math on how this game gets to like the mid thirties with the Vikings offensive line being what it is. And the Patriots offense, this feels like a race to 17 points. Those are called so, Patriots games this year. I know. <laughs> That's I know. what I was going to say. Patriots and Bron- like... if the Patriots and Broncos could just play every week. Oh. It would be a oh 17, 16. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Vikings do get back on track in a hideous football game that winds up being like so, 16 that, to 13 or 16 to 10, something like that. Sounds like a Patriots game. Yeah. Hideous football is something we know about for 59 minutes and 35 (laughs) seconds last week. Yeah. And uh, by the way, this just in, I I know you probably don't have a pipeline to uh, Kevin O'Connell's headset. Probably not the best idea to punt it directly to Marcus Jones with the game on the line. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a good that's a good piece of strategy. I will definitely write a strongly worded letter to Kevin O'Connell here. (laughs) By the way, do you guys have to change your podcast name every like six months? I know it's been a rough year and a half or whatever for the Patriots, but you know, is that, do you have like the seven rings, eight rings artwork lined up for like Belichick's boat? Belichick yeah. does it with his boat every few years. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've taken a lot of guff for like naming the podcast six rings because it's like, wow, what a, what a boast. What a, like, what a flex that is. You know, it's a cocky move. And at the same time, it's also like, yeah, well, I, I don't know. If it might be stuck be on that for a while. Might, yeah. We might be we'll there be for permanent. a while. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually we actually launched our podcast back in 1960. It's it was called Zero Rings. This Vikings podcast, and the name still holds up. So that's yeah, good. but there's a lot of other teams that'll wrestle you for that belt, so you better be ready. Get <laughs> the get Bills. Kirk, yeah. Get Kirko chains ready to maybe uh, throw down on that one. <laughs> Phil, it's been an awesome time previewing the game with you. I actually think it's going to be a bit more of a high-scoring affair for some what? reason. I think something's going to shake loose between the two. I can see both teams randomly getting into the 20s. Uh, I think it's going to be an awesome game. Judon may feast, but if if Justin Jefferson does get that direct pipeline to head coach. Kevin O'Connell, the short passing game could be in play. You could take advantage of a linebacking core that isn't so Thanks. terrific on the Patriots or Andy says kind of blows. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think it's going to be a thriller any which way, everybody make sure you give him a follow. It's at Phil Mackey on Twitter as well. Part of score North purple daily is an excellent football podcast. You want to be a part of that as well. And hopefully you Patriots fans do not end up 
on the episode where he plays crying Patriots fans after the Vikings <laughs> possibly beat the. There it is. The skull heart. Hey, Phil, have a happy Thanksgiving as well, my man. Uh, take care of yourself. We'll hope to catch up to you down the line. Awesome. Thank you both. Appreciate it. We'll see you. Uh, see you in the Super Bowl someday. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe someday. Probably not soon. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, it's Fitzy from Six Rings and Football Things. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of the day. Your weekly source for all things New England Patriots right on time. Your time. In the car, navigate the streets of the NFL offseason with wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Six Rings and Football Things in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a chance to talk to a lot of really fun people, some interesting People with some good perspective, Andy, over the season behind enemy lines and in the territory of Patriots opponents. Phil is one of my favorites. He's great. What a good a good guy, good perspective. Shine, basically, he was saying he thinks we're going to see another version of what we've seen recently, low-scoring affairs, that the Patriots' defense will likely drag the Vikings down to their level. And that's kind of the way the Patriots have had to win recently, not – we're going to surge offensively and try to keep up with you in a track meet. Rather, it's the Patriots trying to drag people down to their level because that level is all this offense can compete with. And he also said that he, you know, he, like everyone else, doesn't think the Patriots will be able to put up any points Thursday night. So it's yeah. Thanksgiving and it's kickoff at 820, Shime. Give me your first thoughts. Yeah, so uh, I've kind of had a discussion with Mutt on the BetQL Boston podcast, find it wherever you get your podcasts, uh, about how I want to approach every Patriots game for the most part going forward. Okay. Um, and until proven otherwise, I'm kind of just going to bet the Patriots team total under. Um, this week in particular, it's 19 and a half. I don't think they're getting to 20 points. Uh, I'm going to take the under on that all day. And so Basically, because I can't uh, – here's the thing, is after watching that Jets game, I've decided that the defense is championship, like, caliber, and they can win you games, but I just don't know exactly when those games will happen. Like, I don't know, could the Minnesota game be won? Yeah, because I think Minnesota's kind of a fraud team. I think there's a lot of fraud teams out there right now, Minnesota being top of the list. Um, and so could the defense win? Yes, but if they if they do win you the game, the Patriots offense still isn't going to score a lot of points. And so for me, like that's just kind of how I'm approaching it right now. It's tough. I, I, you know, again, I don't have any faith in this offense, the concepts, the quarterback, the players, nothing. I just I, there's zero faith for me in that offense. The defense is freaking awesome, and it's a shame that there's no offense to go along with it. So I mean, as of right now, that's kind of how I'm approaching the games, and uh, you know. I'll, I'll, you know, I, I still, I still pick a side if I, if I need to, mm -hmm. but for the most part, that's as a betting angle, that's how I'm going to approach it. Andy, let me ask you this. Do you believe that the Patriots defensive ranking, which depending on which website you check after you Google NFL defensive rankings, 
Uh, one has them ranked second overall. Another one that I'm checking right now has them ranked second overall. So a lot of them are saying that they're a top three NFL defense right now. Do you believe that they are legitimately a top two, top three defense, period, as Sean Spicer would say? Or is this a product of the garbage quarterbacks and offenses that they've played? Absolutely the latter. I mean, I think they're a good defense. Are they great? No, they're absolutely not great. And I've, I've sort of said this before, and it feels like I'm picking on him, but when I see guys like Miles Bryant on the field a lot, Tavai on the field a lot, in positions that matter, it's like, are you really great? Like, I don't know. It, I, I think teams built like the Vikings, built like the 49ers that have breadth of weapons, find those matchups and absolutely go after them. I mean, you can't discount the fact that the Patriots have played the likes of Sam Ellinger in the one week he was allowed to play, Zach Wilson as he was about to be no longer allowed to play. Mm -hmm. Like they've played Jacoby Brissett because his real quarterback is suspended for being a dirtbag. Like that's the reality. And now they're going to play quarterbacks. Assuming Kyler Murray is out there, every quarterback they face moving forward for some window of his career has been an MVP candidate. That's the reality. Derek Carr has been an MVP considered caliber quarterback for a portion of his career. Tua this year, people are like, huh, is this guy kind of an MVP caliber quarterback? He's got the weapons. So done are the backup quarterbacks or the young guys trying to find themselves. They're going to face big boy quarterbacks. And I just think, I also think in this game in particular, I'd feel better about this game if they didn't get their ass, the Vikings didn't get their asses whoops by the Cowboys. Like you might've snuck up on them and gotten after Kirk Cousins and used your Judon wise Uche pressure to freak him out. He's already been freaked out. You already have Justin Jefferson saying like, hey, how come we don't run a short passing attack? Where have we heard this before? Or maybe the Patriots. Like if our quarterback can't uh -huh. get rid of the ball and the difference is they have weapons. They have guys where Kirk Cousins could say, oh, you want me to just throw it to my first read? Well, the first read is Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen. Like, How about Dalvin Cook out of the backfield? He's like, every bit as dynamic those as are weapons. Ramondre and I'm sorry, is, yeah. Like the Patriots haven't faced this kind of an offense. And I know no. they're more a theory than an execution, the Vikings. Mm -hmm. Their numbers have not been as good as their talent throughout the course of the season. And that's why some people do think they're a bit maybe a fraud team. And um, so I I just think when when the Patriots start to face these teams that have kind of weapons across the board and start to look for, oh, oh, you may do the Belichickian. You're going to take away Jefferson? Okay, take him away. And when Hawkinson has six for 96 and two touchdowns, you'll say, well, we took Jefferson away. Yeah, and you lost the game 28 to 10 or something, right? Like, right. that's the reality of these teams with the, the depth. And Kevin O'Connell may have learned a lesson against the Cowboys. I don't know if he can quickly turn it around, but I think you're not going to sneak up on the, the Vikings with your pressure. I don't think that's good gonna happen yeah so that's a 30 and a uh, potentially anomalous 37 point ass whooping that the vikings just took at the hands of the cowboys now the cowboys were a two-point favorite headed into that game but i don't think anybody saw that game being as lopsided as it was so bad that the national broadcast switched over to steelers Bengals in the middle of the third quarter when you had unreal the a team as phil Mackey reminded us just a little while ago it was it was totally surreal and that does sort of concern me as well, thinking now they have to go back out there and prove a point. But there are some things. There's there are definitely some weaknesses in the armor of this Vikings team, like the fact that they're eight and two, but they have a negative point differential. 
And the fact that their defense really isn't that good, and they do give up long it plays. It helps Too when bad. you're minus 37 in the last game you played. Like, and they still had a negative point differential. Yeah, but you're eight and two. Game. You have six wins, and it's right. like, and your point differential. So your point differential was only plus 35 as an eight and one team. A close league. Most games in the National Football League are, are one score games. Okay, yeah, so they're the making thing good is, plays, but against a defense like this. And with one score games, a lot of the time they're 50 50, right? The to the Vikings' credit, they had won all of their one-score games. Yep. I think seven of their eight wins were all by one score or less. Yep, they're so talented. That's no, that's what we call do for regression. regression yes. <laughs> so and we so think maybe they're going to regress against because one of the interesting matchups I see on paper is what's the Patriots' biggest weakness, according to Belichick and everybody else? Red zone offense. Right. And the worst red zone defense in the National Football League will be on the field opposite that offense on yeah. Thursday night. So it's not a good defense. No, no, it's not a good offense either. So it's a really bad offense. We have a slap fight. Me, 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 me. And no, no don't get me wrong. Anything. I don't think that the Patriots will necessarily be the team to like prove, oh, the Vikings were frauds all along. But I still, I, I like, here's the thing the Vikings are a pretty good football team. They're not eight and too good, is basically right. where my head Exactly. Is. However, Maybe they're 2022 eight and too good. Hmm. Uh, that if yeah, we're going to requalify, no, but they're 2022. That's a good requalification because this league the Chiefs is completely are what eight and two, too. And the, but they are eight and two good. They're they're what eight and two you is said as, it as we they're <laughs> yes, they're what we knew eight and two or grew up to realize or think yes. eight and two would act, actually Manning, was. Brady, those old, right. you know, seven eight and, and two. Ones, eight and twos, November, they battle there. You know, no, I mean, any team that like it's one thing to get your ass handed to you, it's another thing to lose 40 to three and have it not feel like it's that close. Maybe the Cowboys are that good. Championship caliber teams have had the games, the the speed bumps, the the bumps in the road, if you will, along the way to titles, but never really something like that. Now, Shime, they'll be without their left tackle, Christian Darasaw, who's excellent, which means we could see a big night for the Patriots pass rush as well. And the primetime cousins thing, I know a lot of Pats fans on the table. You can say fraud squatters were like, we're not worried about it because even if it's a short turnaround. You know, Bill Belichick will figure out a way. Primetime Cousins, like 2-36, and 36, whatever. It happens for a reason. It's not just like a weird, it's not a, like a, a hole in the space-time continuum. Like There's he's a big enough sample size. Reputation. It's a big enough sample size at this point. Do you think we see him, or does that ass-whooping against the Cowboys sort of bury the primetime Cousins principle? I think it comes down to Justin Jefferson, if I'm being honest. Like, it's, it's okay, if he's manned up with Jack Jones, let's say, is he just eating Jack Jones's lunch? Because if that's the case, it doesn't matter what Kirk Cousins' primetime stats are because Justin Jefferson is just going to have a day. And if that's the case, then that's the case. But if the Patriots defense does a good job of shutting him down, doubling him left and right, and not allowing him to move around motion-wise and, and get better matchups, then maybe there's, maybe there's a chance that you see primetime Kirk Cousins. But I, I, again, I just think it all stems from Justin Jefferson in this game. Uh, I also think talking about the quarterbacks, because there's some people that believe that like the high end for Mac Jones might be Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. So there's like this mm -hmm. young yep. old thing going on here. I'm in that camp. And uh, and I believe Kirk Cousins, yeah. there's a reason he loses big games. I think he craps his pants and he throws the ball, to, makes terrible decisions and or throws at some point during those games. Like he can be infuriating at times. And Mac Jones has not been good this year, but I would say the last couple weeks, we have not seen ugly Mac interceptions. Since the one against the Jets, the last two weeks, the interception mm -hmm. against the Colts, he got hit. That was going to be a pick no matter who threw it. That was just the reality. 
So he's taken care of the football the last two weeks. And if he does that and Cousins doesn't, because part of the formula for the Vikings' success is I think they're like plus seven, plus eight. Like, obviously, usually that's how it works. The Eagles, all these Mm -hmm. teams that are good, they're at the top of the turnover ratio. But if the primetime Cousins thing is a thing and Judon is coming off who, who, whoever the backup left tackle is, like Judon's been really good. I think that's a factor in the second half of the Patriots season. Judon this year looks like he's not going to be the disappearing act of Judon a year ago. Mm-hmm. So those are the plays. Like that's the fine line they live. If he can get to Kirk Cousins, pressure him physically or mentally into a bad throw. Hopefully Devin McCourty catches it this week. Hopefully <laughs> Jonathan Jones catches it this week. Right. Those are the game changers. And assuming the flip side isn't true that Mac Jones is under pressure and he throws it up to their secondary. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt two, two weeks in a row. Maybe he's kind of nipped that in the bud and, and figured that out a little bit. But um, that to me is what, cause this, I do think on paper, this looks like maybe a, a more of a divide eight and two versus six and four. Oh, eight and two is at home. Like they're the better team. Oh, they're even pissed off from a bad game. It's a little bit closer of a, of a, of a game based on the way they've played. But if talent wins, we all know if we pick talent, then the Vikings win, right? If we just yep. pick pure talent right. in this game, you're taking the Vikings. And talent sometimes does win in the Patriots. Defensive talent is better than Minnesota. So uh, I think that's but what their makes defensive it talent better game. than Minnesota's offensive talent. Doesn't matter if they're better than Minnesota. Uh, that's one of the fascinating angles that will uh, Patriots Homer. defense does play the Minnesota offense. And that's actually where right, but we they don't get to. That. You said they're better than the defense. Do they ever step no. on the field together? You think uh, the Patriots' defensive talent is better than the Vikings' offensive talent? No, so we'll I'm find, coming through we'll, my computer we'll, camera that says it doesn't exist. We'll find out if they're if they're on par or up to snuff with them on Thursday night. Yes, that's why that's why this is such a great litmus test for the Patriots. Cool, Can they cool. keep up? Can we rewind for you? Legitimately think the talent on the defensive side of the ball for the Patriots is better than the talent on the offensive side of the ball for the Vikings? Okay, you have Justin Jefferson, you have Dalvin Adam Cook, Thielen, you got Hawkins, Dalvin Adam, Cook. Yes, I understand, but they Hawkins. might have a garbage offensive line. We all pros and a pro bowler, and their quarterback may all pee down their leg. on the Patriots' defensive roster, I'll hang up and listen. They don't have three all pros, but as a better coll- as as a collective unit, they may play yeah. it better, and they oh, also Miles have Bryant's a better a coach. matchup. Oh, doing? now I'm just going to say things to make it sound like Fitzy's dumb because this is what Andy does what? when he likes that to show Fitzy's off for dumb. shine. It's that Fitzy <laughs> said something dumb, and he's going to no. stick with it. I that's what said we do we'll find business. out if Will said we'll find out if the Patriots' defense is up to par with a top tier offense like. Minnesota dumbass. Pretty sure you said the talent is better than their talent. And that I, right did, there. I did not. Oh, you guys I are a couple. It's hilarious. I, it drives me it. nuts. Now you just, no, you said you wanted a glass of I'm white wine. We all know you are allergic to white. Red flag. Careful, red Andy. Flag. You're going to have IBS later. Oh, my God. Please. Uh, honestly. As, Make as sure he, to take your As remodium. he tries to IBS all over what would have been a nice, clean, and simple ending to the podcast where I lead into why I think the Patriots will actually win this game. And I own, and I own the fact that I thought that the Jets would win last week as well. Yes. I predicted that the Jets would win last week, 19, 16, 20 to 17, whatever it was, be a three point affair. Criminally (laughs) underrating how God awful the Jets offense is with Zach Wilson. I still think the Jets offense has a lot further. They could go the Patriots. and they could be a whale of a lot better as well. Loyal Zach Wilson right here. is bad. It is not. He is trying to sell I. you. My God, if people can't see this on their screen now, it's because snake oil is dripping down from the camera all the way to your keyboard. All right. I take you back. Uh, Mac Jones said this week 
uh, when he was talking to MFM on WEEI that they keep talking about trying to flip the switch on offense. To me, if they're ever going to be able to, quote unquote, flip this, stop interrupting. Did no one ever tell you when you were a child and or in school that it's a bad habit? I, you know, I need to do have, I'm going to buy something nice for your wife and just get five minutes with her one time. And just be like, does Andy interrupt all the time? You want five minutes with my wife? Gross. No. Christmas. For Christ's sake. Ben Watson beat up a co-host on uh, the Big Ten Network this weekend because the guy said something like that. True. Wow, I missed that. I'm going to have to go back and watch oh, yeah. that later on. I claim, let me wrap up the podcast, for Christ's sakes. If they can flip the switch, this might be the kind of game as well. Because while Minnesota will try to prove those points, and like, oh, we're not nearly the team that we were. We're, we're more the 8-2 and two team than, as opposed to the team that lost by 37 at home. A defense like Minnesota's might be the one that Mac Jones and the offense might be able to score a couple of touchdowns against, especially going back to your point of their terrible red zone defense. So I say the Patriots don't fully flip the switch. I say they flip the switch enough. It may not be quite as dynamic as in 2006 when the Patriots lost to the Jets in a muddy affair back at Gillette Stadium. I think that one was like 16 to 13. And then the next week they went on Monday Night Football and Tom Brady threw four touchdown passes uh, and they destroyed the Vikings. I don't think it's quite like that. I say Patriots do score three times 24-23, 24-23, a nail-biter. Patriots win by a point and beat Minnesota Thanksgiving night. Now I pass the baton to you, Christopher, while Andy sits in timeout corner and rethinks some of his recent decisions. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Vikings here. I just, I, I, again, I'm not. I just don't think the Patriots can score. I don't think, as Andy pointed out earlier, I don't think the Vikings are going to be um, bit in the ass again uh, and caught by surprise by a good defense. So I'm going to take the Vikings. I'm going to say probably like, uh, let's go with uh, 24 to nine. Twenty four. Is that to three nine. field goals? Wow. Is that Nick? Yeah, Cole? it's three field goals. They don't even get it in the end zone. I don't believe the red zone defense in the wow. NFL. Wow. And the worst, the worst wow. offense I have seen in a long time. I think that's fair. Uh, I'm going with the Vikings. Um, I think okay. they're the more talented team. Mm-hmm. And I think they're a little bit dangerous because they're a team with, <laughs> you're not supposed to interrupt. Um, <laughs> they're a team with aspirations. They're a team that just got embarrassed and their, their superstar receiver clearly was unhappy. And I think they mm-hmm. have a point to prove. They're at home, the short week. I think they're a little wounded, um, and, and and they're looking to just sort of show what they are. And I know there's reasons like they could struggle. The left tackle issue is a concern after you've been sacked seven times. Um, and Judon leads the NFL in sacks. So it's like, oh, well, there's something that should – I think they'll be ready for it. I think O'Connell's a good enough coach. He's not going to let that ruin the game. And as I said earlier, the whole idea that, you know, Belichick can stop what he wants to stop. Well, what does he want to stop? Does he want to stop Dalvin Cook from going 80? Does he want to stop Justin Jefferson from getting a buck 80? Does he want to death by a thousand cuts? Because they can do that too with Adam Thielen catches eight balls and Hawkinson catches six and all of a sudden they've marched right down the field. Um, So combine their offense, which I don't think will embarrass the Patriots defense, but will score points. And I'm with you guys. I, I don't know how you can have any faith in the Patriots offense right now and like pick them. That's blind faith right now. If you pick them to score points, I kind of, well, I may be taking a leap of faith for the first time in it a is. while as a Patriots fan, as well as somebody sort of 
in in the meteor, if you will. Uh, let me let me leave on this question. Hey, if Bill Belichick, oh yeah, score. all right. Well, you said you picked the Patriots. Interrupted Maximus here. My score would be twenty-seven to thirteen. I do think they oh. score one touchdown, but then two field goals, and they lose twenty-seven thirteen. They get doubled up by the better you, team. You guys have painted two miserable watches, two miserable pictures, and Andy, I would be way more into hosting. The Six Rings postgame show live on WEI right after Patriots Vikings. If my score comes out as opposed to Shimes or yours as well. I hate Shimes. Why. We don't get in the, the end zone <laughs> no. again. Two that's straight no, weeks. The offense no, doesn't get in the end no zone. no fun at all. No. Um, it, uh, let me ask you this question. Real quick take. If little zip take here. If Belichick decides, okay, I'm not letting Justin Jefferson beat me. Pulls the El Senko, Walks up to him before the game. Yeah, I'm doubling you all night. It's not happening. Um the Vikings score or possibly have their way with the Patriots because of the passing attack or cook uh, the combination of the two. I think they still have a really, I think if you played a team that had Thielen and Hawkinson, you'd say they have a pretty good passing attack. Forget about Jefferson and cook is obviously a dynamic runner. So I think they can stay balanced and still whoop you. And yeah. Shime, if, if they focus on cook and say, we're not going to let you run the ball, beat us passing. <laughs> is there any way? Is there yeah, I, I don't, they probably yeah, will. I think Justin Jefferson has 120 yards in this game. And scores? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You hear how excited he got that? Oh, oh yeah. Listen I think, to you I, this, this feels like This just feels like a... Shame. You no, no, no. the Jets. I know. I was just about to remind everyone that, too. This just feels like a... All Preempto that the great. really good gusto behind Jack Jones might quiet down for a week oh, or two. Oh, I don't like that storyline. Yeah, I, like I just I think Justin Jefferson's about to eat somebody's lunch. How about Marcus Jones scores again and becomes a superstar? People, his jerseys are flying off the rack at the pro shop Friday at the Patriots pro shop Black Friday sale. I would Maybe be they fine. put him on offense, too. I would be fine okay. wagering that Marcus Jones scores again before the Patriots offense does. All right, oh. he put it right there. I okay. I am making your tired and turkey-filled ass call into the Push. show Thursday night at like eleven thirty or midnight. If one sure. of those, like if if they offer you absolutely, I'll be to- I'll be asleep because I have to get up and work the uh, Great Hill Morning Show on Friday morning with Chris <laughs> Curtis and Ken Laird. So, oh man, I have to. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. All right. Uh, <laughs> and on that note, producer Justin Turpin has to go to the radio station and produce Mud at Night. We are done at Shime Time at Jumbo Heart at Six Rings Pod at Fitzy GFY. And of course, thank you very much at Phil Mackey, the host and director of Score North and Purple Daily, a fine Minnesota Vikings podcast. We will talk to you guys Thursday night late into Friday morning. Will it be a Black Friday in terms of a cloud hanging over Patriots Nation? Or will there be a sale on happiness as the Patriots get a big victory in the land of Skull? Tune in to find out. We'll talk to you then. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks for making us part of your Patriots podcast community and more. Good day. God bless. And as always, go Pats from your friends at Six Rings. Everyone's fans looking for more coverage of your favorite hockey team? Follow the Skate Pod hosted by Scott McLaughlin, Brian DeFelice, and me, Bridget Prue. Get your Bruins coverage from WEI's team of Bruins writers. We're the people who are at the games and talk to the players every week. For analysis of every Bruins game and exclusive interviews with the players, listen to the Skate Pod on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.